Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Horror Dads podcast, episode 32. I am here with John. This is Jamie. We are discussing folklore, urban legends, and some movies influenced by those folk tales. What's yes. up, John? Hey, buddy. Uh, we are going to do an introduction to each. So we're going to talk about five films. And uh, of those films, we're going to cover kind of the foundation, like you mentioned, the folklore uh, the urban legend surrounding that. So we, I guess we were talking about, you know, we're pretty close to, uh, St. Patrick's day and we were like, Hey, we could do, what are we going to do this month? Like, are we going to cover Leprechaun? And we just didn't want to over inundate with Leprechaun, which is fucking great. And I'm, I'm glad a lot of people covered it, but we just wanted to kind of do a different thing. So this is it. Yeah. We didn't want to, uh, overplay the St. Patrick's day thing. We figured, uh, a lot of other great podcasts were already doing that. So Figured we'd do our own thing. Here yeah. we are. So we're going to do the, the folklore thing, urban legend thing, and this is going to be fun. But before we do that, you want to do our standard stuff, man? Our intro stuff? Yeah. What do you want to get into first? Well, first, I guess we got to welcome some some new patrons. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yes, we, we do have Patreon. We've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier. And got to say, uh, Gavin Moore mud nelson uh he's been following us since i think he came on board with the um uh vincent desantis episode we did for never hike alone and i think he's been with us uh ever since not as a patron but as a follower yep and oh dude follower listener yeah um, and we were just talking to him on instagram um you know leading into this episode and he's just really nice nice dude nice kid he's very supportive he's always got feedback and stuff to say so gavin thank you eternally man we really really appreciate you yeah it's great chatting with you buddy uh we've also got jason tiberio longtime friend of ours he actually is the human being that did the horror dad's logo yep so jason incredibly talented graphic designer so jason welcome on board thank you um, love you buddy our kids love you we love you thanks for everything you do and then Corey and chris from that's basically the 80s podcast also joined yeah, thank you guys so much. Great fucking podcast. Great dudes. Uh, go check them out if you have not. Yeah, they have a single uh, single film sort of concept podcast. So they, they cover one movie each episode. It's a weekly podcast. Um, I personally uh, really enjoy the Child's Play one they did and the one they did on um, The Lost Boys. Uh, both great episodes. And I think they cover Gremlins too. And uh, it's not just horror movies, but a lot of what they do is horror movies. So great dudes, and thank you guys so much for joining. We appreciate it. Yeah, I listened to the Top Gun episode because you know I love that movie. <laughs> Jamie is Top Gun. He's wearing aviators right I now. I am. You're right. I am. <laughs> if you catch me on a random Saturday, I'm just playing beach volleyball with my shirt off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So before we get into... Speaking of that. Yeah. Before we get into our movies and talk about folklore and ur- urban legends, why... Why are you sunburned in March? <laughs> so we did a early pre-Easter Easter egg hunt with some neighbors. Oh, okay. Uh, which turned into like just day drinking. So this is your family antic. ran around <laughs> fucking crazily. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got just charred. My white pasty skin from just all winter. Yeah. yeah I'm pasty anyways, but like this is the first nice day <laughs> post-winter. Jamie walked so, like, in tonight and I said... Are you sunburned? And he goes, "Yeah, we'll we'll get to we'll get to that." I crawled out of my lair where I've just been like eating Twinkies and watching horror movies. Jamie's general pallor is is that of the neighbors in the burbs um, of the the, uh, the, the, the Clopex. Clopex. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm either pasty or just red. 
Yeah. Those are my two colors. Those are, that's your spectrum. So here I am. Pasty or red. <laughs> what uh, What have you been watching, man? Uh, I've actually uh, caught a couple good ones. I watched this movie called The Rental from uh, 2020. I think it's Dave Franco. You know Dave Franco. What are you? James Franco's. Oh, brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like from the Neighbors and yeah. shit like that. Uh, I think this was his uh, feature film debut as a director and writer. He's like real. Like he... he you look at him, it's like, oh, nepotism. That kid's just handsome, yeah, but he, yeah. he's, he can act. He's a good actor yeah. and a, apparently a pretty good director and writer as well. Yeah. Uh, the movie's nothing too special. It's nothing original, uh, but it's pretty good. It's uh, like a two couples uh, plan this vacation, like a weekend, long weekend getaway, so they rent this house on, uh, what's the fucking site where you, I don't even remember anymore. Uh, Airbnb on a vacation yeah yeah Airbnb so they book this like huge fucking gorgeous house on the beach like in California I believe um and then there's like this creep like there's a creepy like landlord that owns it that runs the place and yeah. does the booking uh but there's also you're not sure if it's him or if it's a different dude but there's like a guy stalking them and killing them kind of one by one and setting them up and then uh using different things that they've done like cheating on one another uh, oh, God. to his advantage and against them and uh it, it, it's definitely worth watching uh, i also watched i rewatched demon night how can you find that one the rental oh the rentals on uh, i think it was on showtime or stars one of those yeah. through my amazon i'm not sure which one yeah. maybe showtime um and then demon night which is on i believe shutter amazon again uh from 1995 the tales from the crypt movie so, dude, that movie holds up. Still good. Yeah. The demons are still great. The effects are still so good. Practical effect. I mean, yeah. You just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, William Sadler, of course, uh, Billy Zane. Just great. Good stuff. Billy Zane is, if you took a, a human body from the neck up and were like, give me the 90s in one face, it's Billy, it's Billy, it's Billy Zane, Zane to you? <laughs> I mean, not not that he did... You know what I mean? Like when you look at his head, it's like that's a ni- 1990s bobblehead. This Titanic, around. the 90s movie for you? I guess it is, huh? Well, he was also in the Phantom, right? Yeah. And he was in. He's uh, been in a lot. In Twin Peaks, like yep. yeah. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to talk about was this fucking Bizarro movie that just hit Shutter called uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. You haven't seen this yet, right? <laughs> Not even heard of it. Okay, dude. <sighs> Anyone who loves 80s horror, you have to watch it. It's It touches all those fucking... Butcher, uh, Baker, Nightmare Maker. Yeah. The okay. original title of the movie, I guess, is called was called Night Warning. It's from 1981. It's uh, directed by William Asher. Uh, like I said, it's on Shudder. It is... It's like it's about this kid who's like orphaned at a young age. Uh, his parents die in this horrible car crash. Yeah. And his aunt, who is just so fucking creepy and weird, raises him. And uh, he wants to leave for college on like this basketball scholarship with his girlfriend, and she's determined to keep him there, keep him around. Oof, okay. She berates him at one point when he says he wants to leave, like, "No, you're the man of the house. I need you." She's a fucking creep, like kissing him when he's sleeping. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, okay. But yeah, no, that dude. It it just you know. Yeah. As an '80s horror lover, you'll love it. All right, cool. I gotta check that out for sure. Uh, so I've been watching, you know hitting some old familiars this time of year we actually on our patreon just did uh jamie narrated a little uh it's like kind of like a blog post about like our spring uh film uh i guess our spring film habits uh, i think that's the term mike from alone in the dark always uses um but we're very seasonal about how we watch things and so 
I is that what he says? Did I steal that from him? Because I, I, I think I titled film, it from Horror Habits. I didn't mean to steal that from him. But it was ingrained in my head, I guess, because yeah. I listen to them so much. But but the fog is definitely up there for me this time of year. So I you know, I actually had that on when you walked in just mm-hmm. now. Uh, Friday but 13th, Part 3. Sorry, go ahead. Starting to dip into those Friday films. and uh, Already? Yeah, I just I just did one. Okay, it's kind of like is that the one like if you pick one Friday to jump into early, is it three? Yeah, because that's the one I, I love the first four so much, but it's like yeah. kind of like eating one Oreo. You're you're gonna have at least three. See, yeah. this is why I don't go to the first four. Yeah. I, I know. I mentioned on the post I go to six first. <sighs> yeah, 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 but I did, and cool. I stuck to it. I I only watched three. Good. So I watched three, uh, and it was kind of during a work day, so it wasn't like I just sat and watched mm. it, you know. Um, and then. Uh, also, Edge of the Axe. It, it's on. I think it's on Shutter right now. And I had it on the other night, and I kind of, I had it on while I was working on our our new website actually. And I I found myself with my computer shut on my lap, just like watching it again. Uh, so it's not the first time I've seen it, but that movie's really really. It's fun. It's good. It was just remastered the past. I think maybe like three years ago they just did a, a really nice release either through arrow or screen factory it was arrow, arrow and i remember when they released it you and i had never even heard of this movie yeah and i did like a blind purchase of it and it's a slasher it's yeah, love it it's good it's it's if you like 80 slashers and you haven't seen that one check out edge of the axe for sure but what are you wearing man oh so i have a i think this is a jeff bezos special the jaws oh yeah that's classic yeah. but it's like it's not totally classic. He's got a Jaws shirt on. I'll describe it. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Jamie actually looks like he just came from the beach because he's sunburned. And <laughs> Dude, he I look great right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's the traditional Jaws shirt, but it's got the, it's like almost neon colored logo. So it's cool. Yeah, it's a white tee. Yeah. I don't have many white tees. Yeah. Yeah. Typically we're all in black yeah. like creeps. Um, but I've got actually our buddy Matt Pepler um, just released a uh, new... A couple new rounds of shirts, uh, but a few months ago did a nineteen class of nineteen seventy eight Halloween sort of sh- uh, shirt. So I've got that that one on, and I've also got a hoodie on too because it's kind of cold despite Jamie being tan and shit. Um, uh, but I've got my Camp Crystal Lake hoodie on. <laughs> I don't think tan is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a lobster. Yep. All right, what have you been buying? Let's talk about this. Okay, so you already mentioned them. I'm just going to keep talking about them. Uh, Matt Pepler picked up a couple posters from him. My, my wife the other day was like, are you determined to just have one Pepler poster in every room of your house? I was like, well, that's the goal. Oh, well, and you got some shirts too, right? You just did the horror sticker shirt. Did you buy that one? Oh, or? I forgot I did. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. Did you get the sticker one or the... I'm actually sad you said something because when it showed up, I would have been like, ah. Uh. Yeah, I got the horror sticker one. Yeah, so it's like the horror VHS sticker or yep. whatever the green. Yeah, we both snagged that. Um, but did you buy anything else, or can we do this this now? Uh, I wanted to say I also bought the uh, so I got the Twin Peaks poster from him, the travel poster, and I also got the Hogwarts Express. Uh, did you put that in your kids' room? Well. It hasn't come yet. It, no, it's gonna go. I, I'm not sure where it's gonna go yet. Yeah. It's either gonna go in our new. Uh, remodeled bathroom or the kids room yeah um because i have the hogwarts express like sign as well so it would pair yeah. Yeah, yeah. well underneath we're we're harry potter nerds and then uh so, no, no i also bought it. the brand new alone in the dark uh west coast video t-shirt the red it's red, the red one it's yep. vibrant okay talk Super about summer fucking vibrant get in there guys because i mean all right it'll pair well with my skin right now if this is your first time listening to the podcast welcome and thank you 
but two things you're going to hear a lot about are Alone in the Dark podcast, which we love eternally, and Matt Pepler, uh, who's a graphic designer artist who we also love eternally. So if you're still with us and you haven't gotten bored of us talking about um, how much we love both those things, <laughs> thank you. And if you're new to it, get used to it, and thank you when we Give love you. Give it time. Yeah. You'll, be bo- you'll be bored You'll be mad at enough. us soon. Um, all right. So those are great purchases. But yeah. all right, this is what we got. So Jamie and I had a Super Bowl bet. We've been talking about it since the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, and I actually, I owed him, I lost the bet. The team, you know, Tom Brady, fuck him. Uh, he came back and won, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Didn't come back, just steamrolled. Anyway, yeah. I lost. I had to buy Jamie something. Uh, we did a $30 limit on the purchase. And we actually didn't have a chance to do this last episode because we had a, a full plate. But we're going to do it now. And I want you to open it now. It's packaged uh uh, parcel right in front of you. So open it up, buddy. Yeah. So real quick, uh, we were going to do maybe a video. We do uh, package opening videos, mail day videos on our Patreon that we always do. Uh, but this one we're just going to do on air here. And I, I look at it every day and I feel like it's like... Oh. Did you just like reseal the package like you've already watched it? <laughs> All right. Oh. Okay. So I snagged this for you. What, what are you looking at? What is it? So this is John Carpenter's Someone's Watching Me. So this is, uh, I don't, I'm sure you've seen this, maybe. Have you seen this? Dude, I don't, like, I feel like I had to have at some point, but it's not ringing any bells, you know what I mean? Like, I know the movie, I'm aware of it for sure, but. So, yeah, Lauren Hutton, um, this is John Carpenter's version. I actually think it was a made-for-TV movie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Really? Yeah, and it's Lauren Hutton, who was in one of our favorite movies of all time, Once Bitten. Um, and she, and Adrian Barbeau's in this as well. And it's basically like a suburban, or no, I'm sorry, an urban version. It's very like downtown LA high rise version of Rear Window. Huh. Um, I friggin' love this movie and I'm glad that you have it. I have it on DVD. I don't have it on Blu-ray, but Scream Factory just released it this, uh, recent go around and I'm glad that you have it, man. Awesome. Can't wait to jump into this, man. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So I, I've been buying that for you, and mm-hmm. I've also been buying, um, I just snagged uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon on Blu-ray. Ooh. Dude, I've um, been eyeing that one up myself. And I I bought it for, for research purposes. Um, we're not going to give too much away. If you want more details, you can join us on Patreon, but uh, we are going to have a Leslie Vernon oriented episode coming up here very, 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 very soon. Mm. April 13th, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, I snagged that, um, and Tell then I also, <laughs> I also um, bought those uh, Matt Pepler T-shirts too. Um, but yeah, man. So you kind of did your family antic, right, mm-hmm. with yep. getting sunburned today. Um, I have I kind of have a fun one also related to the weather. Cool. So over last, I guess last week, uh, it got up in like the '60s or '70s. Um, and I was actually talking to one of our, our, um, who's kind of our buddy now and also patron, uh, Chris Obert. He was like, I don't know what the weather's been like for you guys, but you know, I've just been wanting to be outside all the time. Um, but we spent a lot of time, uh, outside typically during the summer and we had a day that was like in the sixties or seventies and I wanted, I've got an acre here and I was like, all right, we got to pick up these sticks. And my daughter was like, can we have a bonfire? So we did a bonfire, and I legitimately had my wife, my two kids, sitting around a bonfire, 
uh, with our JBL speaker out there, and I had like Halloween um, like background music sounds playing, and we were telling spooky stories out until the sun came down. Dude, we uh, we did it for an hour and a half. That sounds great. And we rotated through. Like I went, my wife went, Finley went, my oldest uh, Luna, who's three, she even was telling stories. Um, and we just had such a fun time. It was like a very argument afraid of the dark, like summer's coming, like we're, we're getting through like the magic pandemic. Dust into the oh, fire. It was great. It was, it was so fun. That's awesome, man. That sounds yeah. great. Yep. Um, okay. So we're going to get into the episode now, but before we do that, just want to mention again, uh, please consider joining us on Patreon. Um, we're patreon.com slash horror dads. We have a $5 tier, $10 tier. We actually just posted an episode uh, last week where we had our wives on again. Uh, what do we cover on that episode? Uh, worst. Fuck, I don't, oh, worst, worst horror moms. Yeah, worst horror moms. <clears throat> that was a really fun one. We've gotten uh, good feedback on that one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun for sure. Um, we also, as of last week, are officially an incorporated LLC. So yep. we are a, a, a full business now. Um, in the state of Ohio and we are going to be launching a website possibly this week with merch. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And, and, you know, even if you're listening or you have someone that you want to refer us to or whatever, or if you buy a shirt or if you tell someone to buy a shirt, just thank you for, for everything. Um, even, even getting this far into the episode, we appreciate it. The website's looking real good. Can't wait to get it out to you guys. Uh, real quick. Uh, another thing we do on Patreon is some watch throughs. Um, they're pretty easy to just do. Like it's you and I just kind of watching yep. a movie. We'll go through it. Uh, we have one coming up in a couple weeks here with, uh, we're going to do killer pinata, I believe mm-hmm. with uh, the final girl from that movie. Uh, her name is Eliza Morris who, or Eliza Jane Morris. I think she goes by on IMDb. Who's one of our very best friends and she's amazing. And we can't wait to uh, chat with her about that one. Uh, if you guys want to leave us a five star review, please do. If you want to leave us a one star review, go away. Um, that's pretty much it. Let's get into it, buddy. All right, let's get into it. Here's our format. We're going to talk a little bit about the folklore. Uh, again, we're going to talk about five films and five... Um, we keep using the term urban legends, but I think this is going to be like part one, and we're going to do a few of these. That's a good um, idea, yeah. Yeah, so th- this we're going to focus on um, folklore and things that are rooted in kind of like historic um, lineage that have a couple different iterations. So we're going to first talk about like the history of whatever that folklore is, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of potential horror films that resulted from that, and then we're going to speak about one specific horror film yeah. that we selected and watched uh, in response to that. So first up, we're going to talk about Someone you may have seen while going on a hike. So let's suspend reality for a minute. (laughs) We're going to talk about Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot, also known as the Yeti, right? Is the Yeti just the cold weather version, right? Or or is Yeti all-encompassing? I I mean, it depends who you ask. And there, dude, I I fell down a rabbit hole on this. I bet you did. Dude, real quick, speaking of Yeti. I just wanted to mention this. I started watching this new show with my three-year-old because he's obsessed with vegetables. And the show's on Netflix called uh, Waffles and Moochie. <laughs> okay. It's sort of like a Sesame Street uh, puppet slash human type thing. Uh, <laughs> but the main character, Waffles, he is. he says at one point that his dad was a frozen waffle and his mom was a Yeti. 
So he's like this like little Yeti looking creature with like frozen waffle ears and a frozen waffle belly. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. All right. Well, I mean, so that's real. There's some relevance there to being a horror dad, right? Sure. All right. So let's let's get into the lore a little bit of, of Sasquatch here. Let's do it. So we referred to a bunch of sources on this because we had to do some research for this episode. So we'll we'll mention those sources before like this. And again, we're not we're not historians. This is not a, a a published paper we're doing, so we're probably gonna screw some of this stuff up. So if you're a Yeti historian and you get mad about this, I'm sorry. Just d- direct message us, and we'll we'll revise on the next yeah. episode. <laughs> but what we found through our research uh, per history.com, uh, which is a legitimate you know website here, uh, in 1958 there was a journalist named Andrew Gonzali. Um, and he wrote an article in the Humboldt Times, which I believe was North Northern California. Yeah, that's up there in like weed country. Mm-hmm. So this letter was about um, these loggers up in Northern California who discovered these like mysteriously large footprints. And uh, I think a couple quotes from from the the article were like, "Hey, maybe we have a relative of the abominable snowman in the Himalayas, right?" Um, and he kind of like jokingly off the cuff wrote that. But then he, you know, he, he thought it was just going to be like a, like a, oh, hey, I'm, I'm just writing a little Sunday morning press release here, like a, made it as a joke. But then it like fascinated readers and then people, it became very psychosomatic and people got it in their heads. And then before you know it, people are walking around like with binoculars looking for a oversized gorilla man running through the woods with a furry face. There's assholes dressed up. Like it, right? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Um, but but acor- according to the Oregon Encyclopedia, and like most of the origin, as you read about about Bigfoot, about about Sasquatch, about Yeti, whatever you want to refer, refer to him as, it seems like it's very consolidated to Pacific Northwest and up into Canada. Even um, I was seeing there was like a, t- a ton of lore associated with Canada too. But um, for those that don't know or haven't heard the term Bigfoot. Or Yeti, which is like one of the most popular brands on the planet right now. Uh, Bigfoot is a large, and this is uh, per Oregon Encyclopedia, he's a large and mysterious humanoid creature uh, purported to inhabit the wild and forested areas of Oregon and the west coast of North America. So uh, he's also known as Sasquatch. And that originated, I think, from this um, language, which was, which was first spoken by the Native American culture. So even though this article came out in 1958, there's like a very deep, deep rooted history in North America to this creature. Yeah. Um, historical record of Bigfoot in Oregon country begins in 1904, actually, per per this uh, per this report, with sightings of a hairy wild man by settlers in the Sixes River, the Sixes River area in the Coast Range. Um, and there were like miners and hunters out there uh, that kind of like followed this lore decades and decades through. And then again in 1924, um, over actually in Mount St. Helens, uh, they claimed to have been attacked by a giant like group of apes. So there's like this huh. this like sect of lore where it's not like one one white whale walking around the woods, but it's like a no, like families and yeah, shit. Yeah, there's like, like a, baby Sasquatches. And, think of that. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of kind of crazy and actually makes it a little scarier to me. 
Um, but the Native American community in Oregon, you know, they've uh, kind of like made Bigfoot a part of their traditional, you know, like their belief system um, per the research that we did here. Uh, and I guess tribes in like coastal Oregon too relate Bigfoot to, you know, ancient tales of, of wild men. So not necessarily apes. So like just like kind of cantankerous, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, furry dudes running around with, you know, just, just a bunch of guys that need a good shave. Yeah. Starting shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it seems like the real deal. Um, but I was, I kind of like started to look cause when, when I saw the, the first piece of research that comes up is like, okay, what's the origin of Sasquatch? You see like everything says 1958, this dude wrote this article and from there things spiraled. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that can't, it can't have been 1958 where the origin started. Like it just, that can't be the first iteration of this. Yeah. That seems very late in life for that to come about. So the oldest one I found from the few days of research I've been doing though was in 1847, a dude named Paul Kane, uh, reported stories by again, the native American uh, community about these like cannibalistic, again, wild men living at the peak. And it's all related to Mount St. Helens, uh, in the, in, in that was Southern Washington. Um, and again, there was like reports from 1924 that I mentioned too. So it seems like it was all that Mount St. Helen area, and and yeah it's crazy because you think again we don't want to you know discredit anyone who might feel like bigfoot or sasquatch is a real thing sure um you do you if you feel that's the case however it's crazy to think how the game of telephone happens you know and when you orate things and when you tell them and then finally they get written down like that story atrophies or it evolves based off of you know who's bullshitting who at the time and it and, and who knows, but it probably stemmed from some sort of like heinous encounter with people that were like really living like Aborigines or uh, who knows. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it though? Do you believe it ex- he exists? I mean, with no proof. I, it's like you trying to say Jesus Christ exists, right? <laughs> I mean, I feel like right now, if, if Sasquatch is running around the woods right now, and he's unphotographed from an iPhone that he's not real because like le- legitimately you can capture anything right now. Yeah. Like a- what if anyone who has seen him has been fucking eaten. You think Sasquatch has G- tapped into the CIA or something and, and that he's like, he's an operative. He's talking to someone through his like Sasquatch walkie talkie. What if you just saw Jesus Christ walking through the woods? What do you think of Sasquatch? What's... Um, I no, I yeah. here's the thing though is, I I am very open to like letting myself believe stuff if you tell me a good enough story. Sometimes suspending and I, reality. I remember one yeah. night listening to I used to listen to like this paranormal. This was back before podcasts, really. Um, <clears throat> when I was in the Air Force Station in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I used to work like midnights at this nuclear site, and. Uh, Casual. We would just be driving around all, all fucking night long for like 12 hours and we would listen to this paranormal uh, like radio show that was like, you know, through the midnight hours. And uh, so it was always set up for creepiness. And they did an episode on Sasquatch and they were like, they had this expert on there and he was playing these like radio recordings that he had, like uh, tape recordings from the forest uh, that he would like camp out and then like record these fucking like 
Bigfoot howls and moans. Dude, I was like looking over my shoulder and shit. I, I had chills from this. So at that point, I was like, no, he, he's fucking real. I mean, that Sasquatch <laughs> is real. I heard him. Uh, but no, they're, they're, I just don't say Like you said. Yeah. I, other I mean, than, it's hard. Yeah. And when there is a sighting, it's like, look at this like fucking arm I saw behind a tree. Like, come on. That's, come on. And that's what I mean. Me more. So if, if this conversation was being had in 1992, and it was like, oh, I got to wait for the film to develop, and it, I might buy it. But now, right now... It's, I mean, I think it's not, I mean, you, you, you can't, if, 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 if someone at a grocery store is being unruly and they're being a, a jerk at the checkout, they're a YouTube sensation. Yep. How is Sasquatch not, you know? So that's my thought. And if he, if he was, he would end up having his own reality show in yeah. like a week. It'd be like Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> I was actually going to make a joke. We, uh, you, you Sasquatch kind of meets me. the Kardashians. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke when we got to our movie choice that it was Harry and the Hendersons. But, uh, All right, now. Fuck that, yeah. All right. Well, what do, you, what do you have on the lore? Do you have any notes you want to mention or talk about? No, I do not, know. Okay. I was counting on you. I figured the lore kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, this... And I feel like this character or the idea of this character has taken so many different forms. And again, we're just joking about Harry and the Hendersons, but like that wouldn't exist if it weren't for this. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. And what's funny is the legends, again, it's like a game of telephone. They all kind of branch off of each other and then you hear different versions of Sasquatch. And, you know, it's fucking one of those things. So I did some research, though, on some. So we're going to talk about one specific film. But before we do that, um, there are a handful of films i'm just going to mention here many of which took place in the 70s yeah um so i'm just going to read them off uh that are related to sasquatch return of boggy creek in 1977 creature from the black lake 76 uh the capture of bigfoot in 79 cry wilderness in 87 year was born demon warp in 88 primal rage in 2017 night of the demon in 1980 Willow Creek in 2013. So like, Night so, of the demon. Yeah, huh. not not yeah. demons. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's taken a lot of different forms, but we are going to talk about a film from 2006, right? Uh, called what, buddy? Abominable. anything still haven't found any bodies let's check out the woods not many people go up there nowadays and his wife were involved in that climbing accident now he's seeing monsters i mean it's like a loud boom like something big fell all right so i sort of bullied us into this choice <laughs> yeah yes you did john if I can defend myself, so Jason Tiberio, new Patreon subscriber, thank you, we love you. I don't know if you remember this, buddy, but I'm going to talk about it like you do. When I was in college, um, my roommate Jason and I uh, got like the AT&T U-verse package. I remember it was like... I remember you guys had that. We thought it was like cutting edge. 
it was like, oh no, they got to run coaxial cable into your, <laughs> they drill yeah. into your apartment. And basically what happened is we got a lot more channels for a lot less money. And one of those channels was a chiller channel. Um, and we would oh, get, God, rest in peace, chiller dude, channel. I know we would get so many, like th- that movie right there. Someone's watching you. I found on chiller channel. He knows you're alone, which scream factory just did a release of, or a pre-order for we found on chiller channel. Shutter is essentially our chiller channel now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But this movie was another chiller channel find. So Abominable, 2006, we constantly had this film on in our apartment, and I just have such an affection for it. Um, but however, watching it now as an adult uh, man who has children when you're alone, it's not. it doesn't quite hold up as well. So... Well, you know what I said to you was, uh, I called you the other night when I was watching it, and uh, I said, like, this would be really fun to watch with a group of, like, two to three yeah. uh, guys, but watching it by myself when I have very limited free time was like, oh, God, it was a chore to get. I it actually was a think chore. Jamie was mad at me. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, abominable. No, like, you're going to watch it, you're going to love this movie, and he was like, okay, cool, yeah. And then he was texting me, he was like, are you fucking kidding me on this? And what's funny is the cast list is fucking pretty incredible. Jeffrey Combs... Okay, so let me run do the yeah, yeah. the intro stuff. So it's directed by uh, Ryan Schifrin, starring Matt McCoy, Haley Joel, Christian Tinsley, and basically. So speaking of Rear Window, this is pretty much like Rear Window meets. Uh, it is, it is. Yeah, I got the Rear Window vibes. This is a sci-fi original. So yeah, that should pretty much tell you everything you need to know about this fucking. Which is film. crazy because it's there's nudity in it. Because when I was watching it, I was like, was this sci-fi original? And then I saw, I was like, oh, it couldn't have been because they're. But I guess uncut version or whatever. Lance Hedrickson is in this as well. I'll never be able to say his name right. <laughs> but there are actual actors in this movie. Yeah. It's insane. All right. So, but the the plot is a, a man who's crippled is he's crippled from from a climbing accident from some outdoorsy stuff. Uh, he returns to the, his cabin that's out in the woods, and as a part of his rehab, like both physically and emotionally, he has to go because he's like girlfriend or wife died in the accident as well is that male caretaker with the oh, that fucking guy. <laughs> um, and his vodka yeah but okay so he's back and he's not prepared for what he's about to see which is essentially i i mean the plot is he gets there with this creepy uh guy who's got he this like a- weird curl on his hair and um, he, he just always like looks and acts like he's up to no good like yeah. he's got some weird plan like he's got nefarious. this mustache that like has bacteria in it. He came straight from a porn film Ugh, to make this movie. Yeah. Um, we we also need to mention the fact that this guy seems to be well-to-do. He's got this really nice cabin. However, within eight feet of his cabin exists another cabin. And he's real probably real pissed at the owner because the person just rents this cabin out. And it just so happens in this film that the cabin is occupied by uh, four or five women that are on like a bachelorette party weekend. Exactly. Yep. So he's looking like a creep because he he thinks he hears Harry and the Henderson running around out in the woods. And he's looking out with his binoculars and they're changing and stuff. And they're like, you perv. Also, he's using these fucking binoculars. Like you said, this house is like, you could reach out the window and touch the next window. Yeah. And he... He, he doesn't do himself any favors, no. I will say. It, no, he does not. And he's also debilitated physically, but also intellectually. It's like, come on, man. Just right. get a different mode of communication other than your, your creep binoculars. Ugh, Jesus. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie's Rear Window meets uh, Creature Feature, essentially. <clears throat> if you've ever watched uh, Police Academy 5 when they go to Miami, <laughs> he's in that. The, the guy commandant, in the, the commandant's son, yes. <laughs> or the commandant's grandson or something. Matt McCoy is his name. Yep. Um, but when, I, when, he, when they first get to the cabin... There's like a jar of mayonnaise in their fridge, and his first instinct is to open it and smell it. Like, and if, what in the you fuck, can tell guy? looking at the mayonnaise, it's green. It, dude, from, it was yeah. like fucking like gray yeah. or something. And Ugh. his first, duh. Ugh. But I will say what I do like about this film um, is the. I do kind of feel like a little bit of Friday Thirteenth Part Four Corey Feldman vibe to it, um, with the cabin being close to another cabin. Just stay <sighs> with me for a second. See you looking at me. Hint, maybe a hint of a vibe. But but even the scene where like Corey Feldman, so okay, like oh, there's kids in it for the rental for the weekend, and Corey Feldman's all excited, and he's like looking out of his binoculars at, and he's like rolling around his bed, and he's all excited. And his mom comes oh, yeah, in, yeah. 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 Um, so there, there's a you know, if there's one part per million on that, sure. cool. Yeah, we're we're there. So I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> thank thank you. Oh. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then it just my general nostalgia for it and the place it served me in my life, uh, you know, in 2006 was, it was cool. <clears throat> yeah, no, that that's one of those things like you're playing beer pong and you throw that on. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be great. I, I understand the nostalgia there. I just didn't have it. And it's um, pretty much all I have to say about that. So you want to buy it on 4K? Uh, 4 dollars uh, but yeah, this movie is very sci-fi channel. I the the one other thing I will say is it does use practical effects, um, so there aren't a ton. But the practical effects, for what it's worth, really aren't all that bad. No, they're really not. And and the monster actually looks okay. He doesn't look too bad. Yeah, he, like I was laughing when I saw him because he's very he. I mean, he's laughable, but it's not the worst. And, thing and actually, the end per our earlier conversation, I don't want to spoil it, but like the end has kind of a cool thing where you're like, oh. Also, there's a couple cool kills. Yeah, there really is. There's one where he like bites a dude's jaw off, and it's it, the again the practical effects they're they're better than they should be for this movie. Quite honestly. Also, I feel like I was kind of I feel like the quality of the Amazon uh, of the one that's on Amazon. I feel like the quality is shit. It's like watching it on YouTube or something. The color was off. The unless that's how it was made, which I, makes it I even think fucking it just worse. Might be the oh movie. my god! Yeah. Uh, but Lance t- Hendrickson, he's fucking great always, but he was looking really old in this. This yeah. movie's 06. I didn't, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah. Maybe it was just the movie. He was like, oh, fuck. This is what, I, this is what well, I'm Well, again, with. I feel like they were like... Lance was probably... Oh, my, my nephew's making a movie. Can you guys help me out? Yeah, yeah. that very well could be. I, I don't know if that was the case, but just making assumptions here. All right, fine. No, it's fine. Abominable. Buy it. Here we go. What's next? <laughs> So, next, we're going to go to a much better film, but before we get to the film, we're going to talk about The Legend, okay? Which one? You want to introduce this one, buddy? Oh, my God. One of my favorite Johnny Depp movies, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, So, we're going to talk about The Legend a little bit. Um, It's essentially the... John, in your research, have you found that the lore from the movie is different than real life? Uh, I feel like the twist. The Hessian Horseman. 
not not the horseman piece, but the twist at the end, I feel like, is t- Tim Burton. Like, well, certainly. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, the original Hessian horseman. Yeah. I, I don't know if his character's name was Hessian. I, I feel like that... Well, they called him the Butcher in the legend, right? Yeah, I feel like in the legend, he just was that... But there was speculation that he was a Hessian warrior, so uh-huh. he actually named the character Hessian. So he was brought over uh, essentially to... Uh, Ichabod Crane, the- so Johnny Depp's character uh, in the movie, but Ichabod Crane was brought over to... That, that's what you're saying? The, no, I was, I was going to say the butcher, the horseman, was brought over from uh, Europe to... Uh, he was brought over from by the British to the U.S. Uh, to essentially wipe out the the U.S. and, you know, kind of submit them to their will. Um, so he would come in just pretty much ride full bore and just cut people's heads off. Uh, he kind of met his demise the same way. God. And then Ichabod. We want to discuss Ichabod a little bit. Well, so the, so the legend of Sleepy Hollow itself was actually a story written by Washington Irving. Um, so Washington Irving was an, an author, so it's fictional, um, but he wrote, so Sleepy Hollow was a singular contribution in a larger kind of like anthology he wrote. So I think it was like 30 or 35 essays or something somewhere in there, uh, essays and short stories he put together. And that compilation was called the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, uh, I think. And he published it in 1820, but he wrote this book, um, according to a, a guy named Brian Houghton, who wrote this book called famous ghost stories. Um, he says Irving wrote the sketchbook during a tour of Europe and parts of the tale are also traced to European origins. So the headless horseman like concept was deeply rooted to, um, Northern European storytelling. So though the Washington Irving, uh, story came out in 1820, he, I guess, pulled on inspiration from um, stuff from way, way, way prior to that. Uh, so talking about the lore and the, the research and the depth of it. Um, so there was like, uh, German, Irish, Scandinavian, British legends, all in Scottish, uh, poems and stuff. Uh, so there's a bunch of published work that I guess he, you know, pulled from to bring this, this concept to life. Um, but according to history.com, again, he, he didn't invent the idea of the headless rider. Um, you know, he pulled from all these, uh, these stories, like I mentioned from Northern Europe. Um, but there was also like stuff that I guess dated back to the middle ages, uh, including stories from brothers Grimm, um, which, you know, they were Dutch. Uh, so I guess there was a Grim Reaper kind of thing that carried ahead uh, that Washington Irving also pulled from. What other iterations have you experienced other than the movie that we're going to talk about of this? Uh, you know, there's the Disney movie. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think that's probably the only other one. I, I've never really watched too many other iterations, I don't believe. How about you? I So my first encounter with the idea of a headless horseman, and actually I mentioned this to my wife a couple weeks ago, because I remember distinctly as a kid growing up, 
there's an episode of Scooby-Doo where Shaggy refers, so it's about the Headless Horseman. Um, it's called the Headless Horseman on of Halloween, I think. Um, but Shaggy in the episode refers to the Headless Horseman as Old Pumpkin Puss. Oh my God! In what? the episode, he says, "Old Pumpkin Puss." Yeah. <laughs> and I mentioned that to Brittany of uh, like a couple of weeks ago, just not even in preparation for this. I was I like, that. "Yeah." Um, but there's also a Smurf. Uh, oh, you know what? I do remember tale? that one. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, you're, you're like Captain I forgot. Smurf. Man. Yeah, I am Captain Smurf. You know what the episode was called? No, fuck no. It might have been a movie, but it's called The Legend of Smurfy Hollow. Dude, actually, I'm I'm an idiot. I watched this all Halloween long with my kids this this past Halloween because it's streaming on something. But yeah, there there have been telling after telling after telling of this all having the word hollow or sleepy in it in some some form or fashion. Yeah, there's been a million. Um, but the one we are going to talk about is the, what, 1999 version? Constable Ichabod Crane, sent from New York to investigate murder in Sleepy Hollow. How much of your superiors explained to you? Only that the three were slain in open ground, their heads severed from their bodies. Taken by the head. Yes, sir. Directed, Directed by, by who? our boy, uh, Tim Burton. This is one of my favorite movies of his. Uh, starring Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane, uh, Christina, Re- Christina Ricci as uh, Katrina Von Tassel. Of the Von Tassel family, which is uh, uh, pretty much the leader of the town council. Uh, Casper Van Dien's in this one as uh, Tom Brady lookalike Brom. Christopher Walken, <laughs> of course. And then there's an awesome cameo by Christopher Lee as like the judge yeah. uh, there at the beginning. Yep. Uh, Johnny Depp is essentially a police detective in New York City uh, in 1799 who is sent to... He's kind of like a pain in the ass to the court's... Uh, yep. They just kind of want to hang everybody that they think is guilty of a murder, uh, and he's kind of like, "No, we need to like investigate and use scientific methods for research." And they're like, "Okay, cool. Go to." Did Sleepy you bring Hollow, your ro- uh, your rope <laughs> for the investigation? Uh, so they're like, "Cool. Go to Sleepy Hollow, uh, where there's been three mysterious decapitations." Uh, so he heads. I, I mean, Johnny Depp in this movie, man. This is to me his best movie uh at least my favorite movie of his like his facial expressions and he's very like, deer in the headlights like his, yeah, bumbling the whole time yeah his innocent, mannerisms yeah. when he's in the carriage on the way there and yeah. he hears those sounds he's like Ooh. he's the furthest thing from like a badass like the oh my furthest God. thing and i love that about when 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 you give a lead character basically like vulnerability we always talk about the jesse eisenberg character right the idea of like, oh, someone who allows vulnerability to access them. This is a very like mainstream commercial. Like there's in movies of this caliber and this size and this budget, like they have, you're meant like the Hollywood way is like, no, make that person cool. And they just don't do that here. And it's no. great because it's honest. Yep. This movie came out uh, two years before From Hell. And I always kind of associate those two movies together. The yeah. time frame's a little bit similar. He's kind of yep. he's a detective in both. Yeah, for sure. 
Did you, like, did you hit this movie when it first came out? Did you hit it later? Um, so it came out, what, 99? Yep. Yeah, I, so in 99, I was, what, 12? Yeah, so I, I saw this around the time it came out. Gotcha. Um, and I would have been living in this house uh, probably the first time I saw it. So, yeah, dude, I mean, this movie oozes with scenery and it, it honestly, is. this is like a, a fall, if you had a fall leaf that fell from the sky and it was like, this is actually a onesie you're going to wear as an adult, like, that is this movie. Um, the colors, the, yeah. oh man, that village, I, I'll fucking, I would live in that village. I would. Yeah, the, it's just... As long as I don't have to be the watchman up in that tower. I feel like that would be horrible. Um, but... Yeah, dude. I mean, and it it really it kind of reinvents the story we kind of alluded to. Yep. So the traditional um, concept of the story being that the horseman, it because like he heads into the town with that being the understanding of like, hey, there's someone like lopping off some heads here. Go figure <laughs> this out. And if he were to go in and be like, "Yep, you're right," then like the movie would end pretty quickly. Yeah. So there is like a little bit of a twist ending, uh, which I think is pretty clever and. It's almost like a whodunit sort of oh, certainly. vibe to yeah. it, yeah. Uh, that, which I think is pretty cool. Which was huge in the '90s, the late '90s, especially the whodunit. You kind of had to have a whodunit. Yep. Um, and I feel like I've seen this movie probably upwards of 15 times. Yeah, I, I feel like you love this movie. Long. And up until this past fall, I never remember the like how it ends. <laughs> like I'm always like, well, who is the killer yeah, here? One of those things. Yeah. Um, but oh my god, do I love this movie? And that. You know what's funny is I almost pick that when he first arrives at Sleepy Hollow, he like walks in on like a Halloween party. I almost picked that for our Halloween party episode. Yeah. I love it. Oh, when she's walking around blindfolded and she kisses him. Yeah. And she kisses him. And then honestly, I thought it looks like Tom Brady, like scoffing at him. The guy behind him. Yeah. I would drink a flagon of mead there. Kiss my lip. Oh my God. A flagon. Is that what it's called? Uh, Give me a hundred flagons of mead in that place. Oh, on our, on our, uh, or bar crawl thing you kept saying Steiner of beer <laughs> Steiner it's it's what they call it. it my wife made fun of me for saying Steiner and I was like it's what they call it in the fucking movie okay <laughs> have your Steiner and go to bed yeah. yeah um but yeah dude and Christopher Walken his uh I mean yes. how about his teeth say what you will about Christopher Walken <laughs> because he's kind of like a Chuck Norris-esque Nicolas Cage-esque uh almost like version of himself i think at this point in his career he's become a character yeah people imitate him and yeah and but firstly dude's a pretty good actor i love him yeah and i feel like he takes on great roles but he is scary looking in this movie there's no getting around it those filed down teeth oh my god oh dude that's like if a piranha were on a person's face that's what it would be but i mean Tim Burton kills it in this movie. Everything about this movie, like yeah. he's it's it's funny, it's scary, it's all those fucking things. And it does have that level of innocence again of and vulnerability and I feel like my kids could watch it, which they couldn't because they'd be way too fucking scared. But yeah. you, you get that kind of like Tim Burton always has like this whimsical feel, you know? Yeah. It's fantastical it, and for yeah. sure. Yeah. Even though it's terrifying and it's uh horrifying and scary at times, you still feel like uh, uh, kind of like a kid watching it. It's crazy, too, how, like, you allow yourself to really invest in almost the, you know, the love interest of the story, too, of Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci. Like, you just want it to work out, and, and you know, as you're watching it, you're like, what? This shouldn't be, like, 
why is this a priority? Like, get this, this guy's cutting people's heads off. Why are you guys falling in love? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good. I mean, this movie, it's, it's fun. It's pretty mainstream, but again, it's cut. What we, what people love about Tim Burton is he's countercultural and this movie certainly is. And it's, it's great. For sure. This movie came out at like the peak of Christina Ricci's popularity as well. Like the height yeah. of her popularity, I'd say. Yeah. And it, and this was part of Johnny Depp's like springboard into fan, uh, into true, true fame. I, I feel. I, I cannot believe this is the first time we've even mentioned this movie because yeah, it oh is. Oh my God, do I love it. Yeah. That's not going to be the last time. I don't think. All right, man. What's next? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna switch seasons a little bit. Um, so we're going from fall into winter, and we're gonna talk about a uh, an anti clause. <laughs> yeah, Krampenstein, or well, what's the technical actual German name? Krampus. Uh, I don't know, man, but I have Krampus written down here. My boss, he loves Krampus, and whenever I wish him Merry Christmas, he's always like, no, it's Happy Krampusstein, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, and I'm always like, okay, well. Uh, but what I know of the legend is it's a European legend. Uh, it's a half goat. Oh, Krampus Karten. Krampus Karten. Yeah. Uh, and Krampen in German, it, it originated in Germany. Krampen means claw. Yep. Uh, it's a European legend, half goat, half demon. He punishes misbehaving children. Uh, the night of the, the, there's a night it's called something. I can't remember. The winter, winter solstice. It, it takes place during the winter solstice. Yep. Um, but it's essentially just the anti Santa Claus. Uh, he comes and punishes bad children and, uh, he's fucking terrifying looking. Yeah. And I, in, in my research on this found that there's definite links to like Norse, Norse mythology. Yep. Um, so it said that Krampus, uh, is the son of hell, um, the Norse God of the underworld. And I guess with the spread of (laughs) Christianity, you know, Krampus became associated with Christmas. So, right. Um, the Catholic church, I guess I was reading about this on Britannica was like really obviously adamantly against this taking any kind of like foothold (laughs) because... (laughs) Well, the idea of Santa is really to kind of keep your kids in shape um, to make sure they get presents. But this really goes the opposite direction on the spectrum. And it's like, be well this year or get fucking carted off and burned alive um, because it's terrifying, um, the images and scenery. Um, But it's said that uh, the creature... Krampus and St. Nicholas um, arrive the evening of December 5th. Krampus knocked. Krampus knocked. This is, is what Krampus I've been trying night. to ask you. Yeah. Yes. Krampus night. Yeah. So St. Nick uh, reward, you know, we've got good cop, bad cop here. So St. Nick rewards children and Krampus um, beats those who are naughty with yeah, branches was... and sticks. <laughs> so... I was going to say, I saw that he. Uh... He punishes children who have been bad by whipping them with his switch. Yeah. And then he takes them to his lair. And he said to to eat them or take them to hell, which is his lair. Yeah. Which would be worse, do you think? Uh, Just fucking eat me. Get me. Just get me out. I don't want to go to hell. Right? Honestly, I'm going to walk straight line until December 26th. So (laughs) I'm kind of scared after doing all this research. But uh, festivities involving Krampus include Krampus Loth 
which is uh, the Krampus Run, which is like the the Santa Run, basically. So it's an activity where uh, you know alcohol is involved. Of course. <laughs> and people are dressed as creatures, and they parade through streets, um, kind of like scaring spectators and uh, sometimes chasing them. And uh, I guess that was like early 20th century, um, kind of a mid an attempt to like preserve cultural heritage on this, on this front. But, sure. uh, I feel like he's the idea of Krampus, the, you know, Austria, Germany, part of the world is where the foothold really came. And then I feel like, I think it was rare exports that came out in 2010, like the 2010 to, to 2020 time frame, like the idea of Krampus became very commercialized and very, um, Americanized and what Americans do Americans do is they commoditize things. That's what we do here. Right. And I feel like that's why we've seen what we've seen over the past, you know, 10 years as it relates to Krampus. Right. Um, there's a bunch of Krampus movies. Uh, they, they seem to all be called Krampus. Yeah, dude, I, I have, okay, let's see. I have, I have eight films written down here and Krampus one through eight dude it's Krampus the Christmas devil Krampus the reckoning mother Krampus mother Krampus two um Krampus um a Christmas horror story yeah um, 2015 the Krampus lore in there as well yep um which is pretty funny which is basically like it a Christmas horror story pretty much has the character that uh, Goldberg plays in Santa's sleigh as Santa. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a real hard ass that has a staff and he like has these elves that are demonic, um, which is, it's fun. It's fun around that time of year. I the guess. ending is a big twist. That, that movie's actually, uh, fine. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. Six out of 10. Yeah. If you're going to watch horror movies around Christmas time and that's your thing, like it's worth watching. Yep. I was reading that it's said to inspire films like gremlins the grinch um and even the oogie boogie man from uh nightmare before christmas oh dude it's funny because even though the movies aren't uh directly krampus relevant it's funny the way lores and legends will inspire movies uh you know without you even really necessarily recognizing that that lore you know just like you said with totally agree gremlins and yep um but I mean, I kind of had more fun than I thought I would doing research on this, um, and it's it's interesting. But we're going to talk about what the 2015 version, uh, American version. Yeah, the Michael Doherty version. Yep, called Krampus. Yes, sir. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle bells. Merry Christmas. Looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. This is delicious, honey. A little dry. Well, mine's delicious. Mine's dry. Do you want to trade? It's the It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. With those holiday greetings and So this movie starring Adam Scott, Tony Collette and uh mj anthony and um i mean the plot of this film is pretty much defined basically by what we 
uh, already discussed, but it's about a boy who has a bad Christmas and he accidentally summons um, the festive demon to his home. And uh, so Michael Doherty, who who made this film, also made Trick or Treat, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. So this dude can really capture a holiday, I'll tell you that. Because he really can. Trick or Treat is one of our favorites in this this film as it pertains to like holiday horror it, it's it's up there it, if if you and i are in the same room together anytime around christmas uh we watch this movie together yeah and it wasn't until really the past two years that like because i always thought krampus i i thought it was like watching godzilla and i had no interest in watching it yeah and, you've always been like oh no thanks and jamie was like you know like adam scott's in this movie i was like oh is he really and he's like yeah it's funny and it's good like Let's, we need to watch I, this. I had to tell you this like three years in a row, and you always yeah. did that thing where you'd write me off and you'd go like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah. Oh, I have to go ask my I dad something. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sorry, man, because I, I'm so glad that this has become part of our life, and it's a great um, a great tradition of ours now, for sure. I think you said at one point, like, no, I thought you were recommending like a Disturbed album to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you like heavy music. Here, get this in your ears. <laughs> uh, but this does... It demonstrates like the standard like disparity like family BS that happens around the holidays. Yeah, the right? typical yeah. like oh god, the dreaded yep. side of the family here they come. But Adam Scott is so good in this, and so is Tony Collette. Like, they all are. David Keshner. Oh, dude. Uh, I mean, oh. and Allison Tolman. I love both of those actors. Yeah, so good. But it really is like Christmas Vacation with horror elements in it, pretty much. Um, and I, I do love how in this film. In this film, they take, <clears throat> like, minions that Krampus basically... Like, Krampus himself is terrifying. The scene where he's jumping from roof to roof, like, that's actually a scary scene. Yeah, I feel like they added all that in, right? The minions. I couldn't find anything about that in my research. I also these, couldn't, these but, like, the, <laughs> the gingerbread ginger running around, man. And <laughs> when they're up in the attic and, like, there are all those monsters and it feels very, like, Evil Dead up there. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, when the kid's being dragged up the chimney. Yeah, dude. So oh, I'm Jesus. so good. Um, it, it's funny because the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a little bit hokey. Yeah. But every it, now it's just so fun and it's become a, a yearly tradition. So like, I love it, you know. Totally agree. Um, but there definitely are some dark moments in this too. Oh like when the daughter dies and... Oh. Even the kid being pulled up the chimney. I mean, that's fucking yeah. dark, man. So not to spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this, but the end really leaves things up to interpretation. Oh my God. So what do you think the end represents? I, we go back and forth on this. I think they're just trapped in this fucking snow globe. So do you think they're dead? I I think he captures souls and keeps them in his snow globes. There's a Y road that you can go down. One is everything's fine. This was all a dream, and it's just a demonstration of what could happen if you don't walk the line. I think that's what, if they didn't do the end with the snow globe, that's what it would have been, because he wakes up and, right? Or, the other other end of the spectrum is, Krampus has captured all these souls, and he's doing this on a daily basis to this family. Also, I'm basically. actually getting chills thinking about that ending, because it's so cheery. And then it, when they all start looking at each other with that like Ugh, that look, yeah. holy fuck, dude. So I, I err on the more positive side simply because the 
the function of Krampus is basically the anti-clause, which I, I think I actually coined that term, so I'm going to need some royalties here. But the idea of like, hey, live a good life, don't mess around, you won't get gifts, blah, 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 blah. So I'm kind of hoping like the end is like, hey, if you don't, this is the outcome. So I'm going to I'm gonna keep it positive right. in my mind. You uh, keep thinking that, buddy. <laughs> What are we going to next, man? It's only going to get better. Oof. Is we it? have some... T- by better, I mean darker. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. We are heading up. That, that's the most fun we're going to get tonight. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. All right. So, next. You want to introduce this with uh, the lore of... Hansel and Gretel. Uh, so Hansel and Gretel means little brother and little sister in German, right? Yep. Uh, this is another Grimm's fairy tale. Um, it takes place, I think it, it, there's so many different iterations of it. I think yeah, the dude. first one was published in 1812. Um, and then the story everyone kind of knows, I think was like 1857, the final version. Um, essentially uh, takes place in the 1300s during the Great Famine uh, when families and parents in like just desperation when like Oof. you were eating like a pea a day and think I, of the panic we all felt over the past year with covid when it was like is there gonna be enough toilet paper you know what i mean yeah the desperation uh, that you yeah. felt um in those times you didn't have luxuries you didn't have uh many things to fall back on so kids were getting deserted uh these two in particular got deserted left in the woods uh, brother and sister um, kind of, you know, they're starving. They have no food. They don't know what to do. They start smelling some good food. Uh, they come across. Uh, yeah. I think that in the fairy tale, it's uh, like the house is made of like gingerbread and baked goods and stuff like that, right? Uh, yeah, I think there's Cakes an, an iteration and, of that. Yeah. It, again, there's so many different versions that it's hard to know what the original one was. Uh, but I think growing up, it was like. The one I kind of remember growing up hearing being read to me was like they found like a path of like candy and cookies and they kind of followed it and it led to this house made of gingerbread and baked goods and do they you, go in and... Do you think these fairy tales, not to get off track too much, but do you, you think these fairy tales were written with a point or a lesson? Much like Krampus, it's like, hey, there's an intent here for the... Because fairy tales obviously even though they were very heinous compared to what we read our kids now at that time, do you feel like there was an intent of like, okay, here, here's a lesson that someone needs to learn. And if you do feel that's the case, like, what do you think the lesson was here? Like don't eat sweets. Well, I feel like things in stories like that were written typically with some sort of, uh, uh, you know, motive in mind, but I, I really couldn't tell you what this one is. I, I don't know. Like don't be gluttonous. I guess it's probably don't be gluttonous and don't believe. Because at that point, it's not being gluttonous. It's like survival. I feel like it's more a thing of... Tr- and I have a lot to say about that, actually, when we get to discuss the actual movie we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I, I think one of the themes in this is about trust and trusting strangers, basically. So we can sort of talk about that more in a minute. They really touch on that in the, in the movie we're going to discuss. Yes. Yes. Um, that theme is very, very prevalent, very rampant, but doing, doing research on this, it seems like 
the very early iterations, there's this dude named uh, Jack Zipes, who's a folklorist, which is exactly what it sounds like, a professional folklore studier. Um, Could you imagine telling your parents that's what you're going to study in college? Uh, <laughs> your parents would have to be dead by the time you become a folklorist. <laughs> by the time you make $5 from that profession. Which, Jack Zipes, sorry, man, we... I actually had a lot of uh, enjoyment reading the stuff you wrote, so it's not a knock on you, bud, but we hope your parents are mad. He wrote it from his one-bedroom apartment <laughs> in his parents' basement. So, uh, Jack, though, Jack Zipes says that the original tales, though, from this story uh, emerged in the late Middle Ages from, like, 1250 to 1500, like, right. somewhere in that realm. So, uh, and then there were other variants that came, came about later in, like, the 1590s and... Um, so it's a it's a story again that game of telephone that has gone through so many not just just actual centuries you know it's not we're not talking decades here we're talking centuries right which is really interesting um well that's the thing about fairy tales man they they started as a tale and they've become now like almost every fairy tale now has a thousand iterations and a hundred movies and can you who do you think the one like Think of an idea like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. That's literally one of the most popular words on planet Earth. And there's probably one person that came up with the name Cinderella, and we'll never know who it was. No. You're right. There's yeah. speculation. It's like, well, let me trace this. But the, uh, again, we'll never know. We just yep. won't. All right, so back to Hands on Gretel. Um, what, what was your first experience with this uh, folklore? Yeah, mine was just... Uh, be- having it read to me growing up probably like Aesop's Fable or something. Yeah. Which, by the way, this is a totally fucked up thing to read kids. I, I think of the 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 long and short of this story is like, you're starving, you go to a house, you get fattened up, and you get baked. Yeah. And I someone tries had, to like, eat you. I remember, I feel like I saw pictures of like a witch stuffing these kids in the oven. Yeah. I feel like that's what I always remember is being stuffed in an oven. I think what I always took from it was like, don't, uh, go in the woods without a friend. Maybe just, you know, don't follow paths of cookies and cupcakes. And as, If it seems too good to be true, it is. As suburban white kids, that was our, our fear. Right. But what um, I do feel like, on the whole, uh, this story has a zillion different aspects to it. But the one thing that we really kind of wanted to dive into that we probably aren't going to as much on this specific episode probably save it for the next iteration of this is the idea of like the the woman that owns the house is actually a witch um so we were actually going to talk about the movie the witch um but decided to table that for a later date but there's some witch witchcraft you know present in a foot and i think our film that we selected really kind of extracts that in a more prominent way than other versions of the story now <clears throat> let me ask you in your research does the was, was it not a witch in the story uh, it was just a fucking w- creepy woman who i mean i feel like there are variations of it so i i think a lot of it was like more to cannibalism than it was to witchcraft but she's surrounded by baked goods I'm like, why are you eating kids uh, just a I mean, sadistic fucking yeah mm. Yep. All right. Well, I mean, I guess young children probably taste better than 
apparently in 1954 that's the case (laughs) so there were uh, every iteration of this movie is actually called Hansel and Gretel in different forms so you've got Hansel and Gretel 1954 Hansel and Gretel 1997 Hansel and Gretel 2002 Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters 2013 Hansel and Gretel Get Baked I think that's my favorite one (laughs) Get Baked yeah Yeah. Um, Hansel and Gretel 2015 and then a very subtle nuance to this title happens (laughs) this past year and it's actually Gretel and Hansel I'm called Gretel and this rough one here is my brother Hansel It's too scary, you know, start seeing things that aren't there. You've been turned out of your home. Set out to fend for yourselves with only your clothes and your hides. I'm hungry. I'm hungrier than you are. Because you're a pig. Look! It smells of cake! And I truly feel okay. So this movie was what directed by Oz Perkins, right? Mm-hmm. Who I just found out was Anthony Perkins' son. Yeah. Uh, and it just came out this past year. Who who uh, did another one of my favorite movies, uh, February, uh, other also known as The Black Coat's Daughter. Man. So this movie starring. Uh, Sophia Lillis, uh, Samuel Leakey, Alice Cridge. So is this... Sophia is the one from... Uh... Yeah, she's from It. Yeah, okay. I thought so. Yeah, she, uh, she's great. She's a great actor. Oh, real good. Um, but the synopsis of this movie is really the synopsis of the fairy tale, which is a distant fairy tale countryside. You know, young girl leads her little brother. They're both starving into the dark woods. They're desperate in search of food and work, and they come upon... Um, a nexus of terrifying evil. <laughs> and oh my god! It is terrifying. There's a couple, um, couple elements of evil that they encounter. You know, and it, it, you kind of lead to that, like which evil is worse than the other? What's the better of two evil or the worse of two evils? You know, for sure. And to the point we were discussing earlier of of vulnerability in in trust, the the movie really sets on pretty immediately like they're under attack by this guy the eye thing and um a hunter comes and saves them and they're having a conversation with a hunter and it basically like the conversation is a bridge to them saying like wait you just did this because you're nice and he was like basically like kind of yeah but it, it it creates that instant like connectivity of oh you can trust people Right or should you trust people? Or can I? Yeah. yeah, and it's the seesaw, and then obviously they head into the forest deeper, much like we do in our own thoughts. And the further you get in, you know, the more you got to think about it. And it's they get to the the witch's hut and they're peeking through the windows. They're starving, and then the traditional like Hansel and Gretel tale starts to sort of unfold until you kind of get a little deeper into the story. So. Yeah, it unweaves in a very witchcraft way. Um, we find, it, you know, it's never really explained why 
uh, Gretel is like, does she just have some witchcraft in her, or was that that shit that uh, the witch was making her drink turning her into a witch slowly? I, I feel like one thing I don't I watch this movie twice now so I feel like the idea of consumption and absorption is a very obvious factor in this storyline because it's all about like eating and drinking to survive pretty much right so I do think that she's being fed something to prompt it but it's sort of how it's it's like anything else it's how you manage adversity so clearly she the so Gretel's in the position where she now has to like deal with the fact that there's this witch who's like basically trying to kill her brother, um, and that witch uh, carving on the like uh, the tree scene. Yeah, that's a sweet. Th- this movie, it's not the pace is like molasses. Um, it's but it's very beautifully shot. It's very pretty to look at. It's visually stimulating. Um, the story is given uh, a topic that does not allow you to be original. It's somewhat original, which I think is pretty cool. So it does redefine sort of an old, an old, you know, an old story. Um, but it's not the most exciting film. It's done in a very artistic way. Yeah. Um, it's very. This is a polarizing film. I feel like people either hate, hate it, it or, or love it. Yeah. I don't even know if you love it. It's like you either hate it or you tolerate or you tolerate it. <laughs> Uh, I li- I mean I like this movie. Uh, like you said, it gets to that. <clears throat> your your interest is peaked for sure for that first half, and then once they get there, your interest is still peaked. But about like three quarters of the way through, you're like, okay, let's let's kind of cut to let's the chase. Let's get going here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the end does drag out a bit, but it does really define again the idea of of how Gretel responds to the fact that she knows that her brother's being. Preyed upon, yeah. Preyed, preyed upon to be killed. Uh, the witch basically says to her, "Like, don't worry about him. You've got a bright future. You're going to be my co-witch. Hop in the plane." I and just kind of has to play along. I have to say that I, I like I said, I, I actually watched this not long ago, just out of curiosity, and then I I rewatched it uh, this past week for this episode, and I, I like I, I feel like I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't bored by it this time. Like the the first time, I was kind of like, "All right, let's just end." But this time, I was really fucking paying attention. Yeah. Um, because I felt like I kind of missed the point of the end the first time. This time, I really, I really got it there at the end, and um, I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's not a fantastic movie, but it it's good. It's worth a watch. Um, and Gretel, toward the end of the film. Kind of, she, you know, she ends up in that moral dilemma there. Like, so do I become a shitty bad witch like this woman, or do I let my brother go and kind of go my own route, go my own way, and uh, not be a shitty witch? Because she's a witch. There's no arguing that there at the end. Yeah, and she releases the souls of all the other children. Correct. Essentially, she, so. yep, she lets them all go. It's it's a cool redefined aspect. Like, I'm not huge huge into fairy tale things um but this kept my interest and it's worth a watch yeah what were your thoughts on it because this isn't typically your type of movie no it's not um and honestly i typically don't watch things really out of the genre of horror that often and i i don't know if this is necessarily a horror movie but it's close um it definitely has 
scary moments and scary parts. The soundtrack parts. is great too. The score. Yeah, the score is good. Again, it's it's flashy. It's really pretty, um, and it re- redefines a, a genre, and it has a good moral purpose. So like, it checks every box. But uh, I think what was missing for me was just like, I wasn't. I I didn't care that much about the idea. You know. Sure. Um, I I mentioned this to you and. We both kind of were like, please no. Uh, but I had heard that Oz Perkins, his dream is to do a Friday movie. Yeah, I mean, good luck, With Oz. His but style please, would be... Please stay away from my franchise. I don't know. I'd rather Vincent DeSantis do one. Yeah, I mean, that dude. Yeah. He, uh, he deserves to do one. Yeah. I mean, even if Oz did one, I'm sure it would be... Oh, I'm sure it would yeah, be great. I would buy it on Blu-ray, so... Um, Oz, yes... I got your text this morning. Yeah, you can be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We'll let you on, bud. Yeah. All right. What else, Anything else on this before we jump to our last one? No, I think that's it, man. All right. Uh, next time we'll discuss um, Hands on Gretel Get Baked. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So what's our last one, man? This one is Ish. Uh, Ish, indeed. So we left this one for last because it's a newer folklore. Um but we're going to go uh, into the world of Slenderman. So Slenderman is something that is of recent um, recent definition. And they're this is actually, certainly the most recent one. Yeah, without a doubt. So we're talking centuries old for a lot of this other stuff. Like where did it start? Where did it? And I made the joke about oh, who named Cinderella. Uh, we have all the facts here on Slenderman. Yeah. We know the entire lineage of it. Um, so, according to BBC, um, Slenderman was a meme um, that started in June of 2009. Uh, and there was literally like a competition on, I think it was like a comedy like web forum thing uh, called Something Awful. And someone put out a prompt and they said, hey, look, we, we need a modern myth with which to fer- terrify people, right? So there was a, a contributor named um, Eric Knudsen, who at that time, I think, was publishing under the name Victor Surge. His alias was Victor Surge, yep. Yeah. And he responded by, by posting these two fake photographs that he doctored up. And he said, oh, you know, these are from the late 80s. Um, there's a tall, like, sinister dude with no face, um, lanky arms, and he's behind these, like, groups of children. And uh, he attached some, like, vague, like, description saying, like, oh, 14 people uh, and the photographer have gone missing since this photo was taken. And I think there was, like, a little creepy sound clip that accompanied it. Yeah. And, like, that was it. It literally was like, hey, make a new flavor of pizza. Yeah, the thread was create paranormal images. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then it just blew up and it just became this, like, phenomenon and... Uh, no one could predict it. Even this dude, I, I think he, I, I actually read uh, a quote of an interview with him. And this is what he said. He said, I was mostly influenced by H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, specifically his short stories, uh, the surreal imaginings of William uh, S. Burroughs, and a couple games of survival horror, such as Silent Hill, Resident Evil. I feel the most direct influences were Zach Parsons, The Insidious Beast, the Stephen King short story, The Mist, and the tale regarding um, the rake. 
Um, and that was, I think, in um, an article done with TechCrunch. But, yeah, I mean, so, like, this dude's just a horror fan, essentially. Right. And um, this phenomenon, like, took hold and all this stuff happened. But, like, what did it lead to here, Jamie? Uh, it led to... Uh, are we talking about the murders? Yeah. Ugh, the tragic murders of... Or tragic murder of a poor young child. I think she was, like, what, seven? Well, there was a stabbing. That's was there I'm, an actual murder? discussing. Yeah, so she, she didn't... She was killed, wasn't she? She didn't die. She oh, survived. Oh, God. I think she was 12. Whew. Um, and I think she... She was lured into the woods, and I think it was Waukesha, Wisconsin. Isn't that where yeah, making a murderer happened too? Yeah, I believe Waukesha. so. Waukesha. Remember, I told you about Wisconsin. <laughs> Episode one. Yep. Um, but there were these two 12-year-old girls. I think um, Anissa and Morgan were their names. Yeah, it was in 2014. Yeah. Yep. They they um, they lured their friend Peyton into the woods and they, uh, she was stabbed 19 times and i think she got she stabbed she didn't die no oh my god she didn't die she got stabbed in like two major organs as well Oof. um so it's actually Their unbelievable yeah dude but Ugh. so she managed uh peyton managed to crawl uh, this is not a true crime pro- podcast so we're sorry to like give the typically with like more fun loving stuff but um she managed to crawl over the road where she kind of was laying on the sidewalk with wounds all over her body. Um, and a bicyclist, bicyclist uh, found her and dialed 911 and saved her life. Oh, my God. But I guess, like, the kids that did the stabbing were supposedly influenced by Slenderman and were doing this on essentially his behalf, which was this, like, internet-made phenomenon, which is unbelievable. It's crazy. Oh my god, it really is unbelievable. So they, what was the story there? They thought I. So I did not watch the documentary. I meant to. I just didn't have time. I think you did, right? I I, I did not watch the documentary. I need to watch that. Yeah. Um, so their motive was they thought that Slender Man would come and take them if they stabbed. Killed I think her. they wanted to prove themselves too uh, worthy to him. Yeah. So he. So he's this like, we kind of mentioned him, but Washington posted an article after this all blew up with the stabbings about him. Um, and they describe him as a creature that lurks in the backgrounds of, uh, gritty black and white photos, gaunt, too tall figure with skeletal limbs. Um, some say he lives in the woods and he eats children and he's kind of a demon descendant from a European myth. So like, that's the lore of him. But again, this legitimately, what scares me about this whole concept, and we're going to kind of get into the film because there's only one film that's been made about this, um, is it really just, it to me defines the idea of like not thinking and reacting because others are reacting. Sure. So it's like post, post uh, 9-11 America, right? Where everyone's like, we're all on the same page and it's like wait did we talk about this first and it's like no i just know something tragic happened and we all feel the same way and like that that mob mentality is kind of it's a scary thing and i think that this is a microcosm of that sort of phenomenon of hey it's real easy to kind of all really get ourselves ramped up here uh and I, I think that's really what this is and it's scary as a parent oh dude terrifying 
And it's terrifying to think that uh, your kids could kind of like attach themselves to something like this and believe it's real and believe that, oh my God, especially 12. 12 seems too old to buy into something like this. And not that it would make it better. There's no way for it to be good or okay. But if you look at it and you say, if, if the argument were, or not the argument, but the case where like, I'm 12, I read Hansel and Gretel and I felt I needed to stab my friend because the witch, it's like, oh, a 400 year old story or whatever inspired you to do this versus something that legitimately was made up in the past 11 years. Like that's, that's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. Well, the whole thing. Is I mean, everything's yeah. horrifying and there's no like. I'm not trying to justify anything, but sounds um, like you are. No, I just it's crazy. It's crazy. And this is the scariest. So, so like if your wife lured in two kids to the kitchen and stuffed them in the <laughs> oven, you'd be like, I understand. It's a centuries Look, old fucking tale. You're hungry. We get I, it. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we're not trying to make light of the Slender Man thing. Like this was a very serious thing that occurred. So Oof, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry about that. But so let's talk about the Slender Man twenty eighteen film. Um Directed by Sylvan White. Where is my daughter? People don't just disappear. Joey King, Juliana Guldani tells, uh, Jazz Sinclair, and Annalise Basso. So, in a small town in Massachusetts, group of friends fascinated by the internet lore of the Slender Man attempt to prove that he doesn't actually exist until one of them mysteriously goes missing and is kind of kidnapped. Um, so, okay, first and foremost, this movie has 3.2 out of 10 stars on IMDb. And I think that. I don't think this movie's great, but it's not that bad. It is not 3.2 bad. No, it's it most is certainly is not. I, so I texted you. It's I had better than Abominable. It. You, so, Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I texted you probably 45 because you had watched it and told me that it was good. So Yeah, it's, it's a fine movie. I, I watched like it. I think I was 45 minutes in. I was like, dude, this is way significantly fucking better than 3.2. Yeah. Uh, by the end, I was like, please just end. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. The second half really takes a... Yep. Whew, it, like, come on. Fucking just... Like, they really dragged it out there. Uh, the plot takes some weird turns, but... These um, kids are I, good actors. Like, 5.5? Yeah. At least. Yeah. At, at, yeah. You know what? I saw some reviews that said the acting was shit. I disagree. I, I, felt I do. Like those I girls disagree. were great. Um, they're all from other things, like... Uh, Joey King was from The Conjuring. Uh, Jazz Sinclair is from... Uh, she plays Roz in... Uh, Sabrina, Sabrina, right? Sabrina. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Uh, the other girl, uh, the one who plays Hallie with the sister, uh, Juliana Fuldani tells she's from uh, the Showtime show The Affair. Uh, I actually recognized her from that because I watched that show with my wife. But anyways, they were all great. Um, it's funny because the beginning with those, I, I, I don't know about you, but I got this like um, it follows vibe from like just the setting, I guess. I don't know. The, the, the scenery, it, it is. It's it's like despair. Small town Massachusetts with the despair. Yes, and that's what got From a me. lot of different fronts because it's not just like, okay, you have Slender Man and everyone's scared of it. It's like, okay, this person has a very torrid suspect relationship with her father because he's an alcoholic he's an right? alcoholic the what the mom is i assume and passed on and there's this like tense like um um th- so the fears i feel watching this as a parent is like the idea of my i have two girls right of them having to deal with social media and the internet right and being involved in that entire sphere and then them going to call it or them going to school and having to deal with like dating right because that they they allude to the challenges and all the things that accompany that and it's just like you're getting hit from multiple fronts with unease and unbalance and despair i feel through this movie um so it is a little chaotic and not i guess singular in focus um yeah, because of that cohesiveness there towards the end yeah yeah but in terms of like things that scare me that this to me though it's not real is a real life horror because i feel like this represents a thing that could easily become real in today's world in in like an outward manifestation it's weird because even though it's not real and it's it's not real life horror, it became real life horror. It legitimately because did. It, because even though Slender Man is not real, it was real in the minds of some kids. You know what I mean? And a 12-year-old got stabbed 19 they times. They actually thought yeah. it was real. So it was like, yes, it's not real, but in their in your kids' minds, it might be. So yes, that is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I love the relationship there at the beginning, the girls with the boys in high school and the boys it, the boys s- screw the girls over here uh because they said that they were going to summon slender man the girls yeah. didn't even know what slender man was so at their sleepover like the boys have their own sleepover the girls have their own sleepover they decide okay let's let's do what the boys are doing and summon slender man let's look into this the boys yeah <laughs> uh flaked out they got too scared uh, so they didn't even do it and the girls ended up paying the price. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this movie again, it's not it's not a ten out of ten. Like it's it's fine. It's worth a watch. Um, Michelle Two Meter Maniac, our buddy in Sweden, he he says uh, firmly he doesn't like movies. I think what do you say after ninety nine? Yeah. Um, so Michelle, I, I I wouldn't watch this if if I were you. No, uh, I, I, don't I would think uh, like it. Take a pass on this, Michelle. Uh, but. But for for people that are looking for something new to watch, like it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and if you have fears associated with what we kind of just discussed, like it'll it'll hit you in the feels in a couple of ways. I feel like if they showed Slenderman less, um, it would have been more effective. You know, just a few glimpses. Yeah. Um, like towards the end there, they started showing him a little too much. But uh, there was a scene in the first half of the movie. They were then like probably the first. 35 to 40 minutes when they are uh, after the first girl goes missing the other three girls are looking through her laptop 
I don't even know if you caught this, but this gave me, dude, this gave me fucking chills, actually. And I, you know, it's hard to get that nowadays in movies. Yeah. Um, as they're looking at the computer behind them, there's a shadow and it just starts growing and oh, growing. Gosh. And it's fucking clearly Slender Man back there. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, Slendy. Yep. So the movie's fine. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch if you're into that sort of thing, if you want something different. Uh, but again, it's rare that I get a scary moment like that. So that wraps it. We talked about a bunch of movies that are just fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we did want to just kind of like uh, broach, you know, a, a new, you know, turn a new leaf and kind of talk about some movies we haven't talked about quite yet. And um, it, this actually took a lot of research and uh, a lot of thought and we kind of had, we, we had fun with this. So it was a lot of fun uh, exploring different, you know, something different, you know. And I think next go around, we might want to hit like urban legends and sort of hit films that have resulted from more contemporary urban legends, such as like the babysitter concept and, and things like that. So uh, if, if you guys have thoughts and ideas on stuff you'd like to see covered, let us know. We're going to get in there and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we wrap our next episode, we're going to be interviewing a very talented human being, uh, Gabe Reasoner, singer for the band Careful Gaze. Um, so that'll be actually releasing pretty hot on the heels of this episode. Yeah, we can't wait for that one. Um, yeah, so we're recording that this week. We're really looking forward to it. We've actually, uh, we did a prelim call with Gabe. Uh, I think you guys are going to love him. Um, he's really into horror. He's really into the show. Uh, so we can't wait to chat with him. It was one of those where typically when, our do, when we do our prelim calls, sometimes it'll be 10 minutes. Sometimes it'll be an hour. Yeah. Uh, with Chris Garofalo, it was like two hours. Oh, dude. And with Gabe, it Still was like an hour. Chris so, yeah, we day. can't wait to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's coming up. But we, we appreciate you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, please uh, give us some consideration on joining Patreon and check out our merch when we release it this week. But uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Take care. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.